Hi, this is Monica Lopez. Before we get to our podcast, I want to let you know that Making Contact is supported mostly by our listeners. We're a nonprofit shop with a small yet mighty team. In other words, a little goes a long way for us, and a little more goes a lot longer. So if you can, please go to our website, radioproject.org, and make a tax-deductible donation. Thanks. Happy holidays. And here's the show. First face says, Hey son, I'm sitting here thinking, thinking to myself, what an awesome kid you are, and what an amazing son I have to to know how wonderfully blessed I am to have you as mine. The fact that you belong to me gives me so much hope and strength. I am proud to be your mother, Hezekiah Mir Davis. I put my right hand here as a symbol. You are my right hand man, and I love you. Hezekiah Davis is 11 years old. He lives with his grandparents and his great-grandparents in Richmond, in the East Bay. We're at his place, and he's reading me letters written to him from his mother, Kyoko. Kyoko's letters are like a small zine. There are pages of heart and praise, hand-drawn illustration of Hezekiah's name in bold lettering, grade school riddles, and one page has the outline of Kyoko's hand. There are instructions for him to place his hand within hers. For now, his hand is half the size of her hand, but it'll likely be larger when they reunite in two more years. Kyoko continues to serve her last two years at Folsom Women's Facility, a prison within the California Department of Corrections and Rehabilitation. In our conversation, I ask Hezekiah if he's ever been mad at her. See, this is why, like, I don't really get mad at my mom. When she does this, when she, like, does bad stuff like this, because she, like, sends me letters and she keeps in contact with me and stuff. And so, it really doesn't feel like she's gone. On this week's Making Contact, we take you along on several rides up and down California for the Get on the Bus program, a free overnight shuttle service provided by the Center for Restorative Justice Works. Families, namely children, travel long hours and hundreds of miles to temporarily reunite with their loved ones for Mother's Day and Father's Day. I'm your host, RJ Lozada. For Mother's Day and Father's Day, the Get on the Bus program, run and coordinated by the Center for Restorative Justice Works, provides free transportation for families who want to visit their incarcerated loved ones in California. Many families don't have access to reliable transportation. And even if they do, sometimes coordinating an annual prison visit hundreds of miles away isn't possible. And sometimes children aren't ready to see their mother or father in prison and need additional support. Here. We're going to board it in about three seconds. And the only thing that's standing between you and boarding the bus is me giving you a blessing. So we'll begin as I always begin in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Dear Lord, we ask you to bless these families. 
Get on the Bus is the handiwork of the grassroots efforts of individuals, nonprofits, and the church communities. The networks involved with coordination are spread in key locations near the 30-plus prisons and facilities dotted throughout the state. Families are often encouraged by their incarcerated family members to take advantage of the opportunity to travel well-supported and in a non-judgmental space. The round trips are excursions. Get on the Bus rents several charter buses over the late spring and early summer for nearly every weekend. The trip usually begins around 9 or 10 p.m., and depending on distance, trips usually return close to 20 to 24 hours later. The bus itself is noisy. The constant low growl of the engine is an imposing drone of noise. Freeway bumps and potholes staccato loudly. But it all becomes white noise as kids and families usually begin to nod off to sleep around midnight. Some youth stay awake, listening to music, going on Snapchat, including 11-year-old Hezekiah. He's not traveling with his grandparents or great-grandparents to visit his mom out in Folsom but he's chaperoned by a volunteer from Get On The Bus. He coolly pontificates in all things football, basketball, general oddities, and the seeming random life experience or encounter. My barbed wire still hurts. I tried to climb a barbed wire fence because it was a dog. Like you're running away from a dog? No, it was like a dog and like, a secluded place. And so I opened up the gate since the dog couldn't open up the gate and the dog ran free. And I also had a ball over the gate, so yeah. Dawn hits and people stir. The same continuous noise that ushered in slumber has now shifted to become the annoying alarm clock. People stretch and look as best as you can look sleeping on a bus for four to five hours. Um, 7.15 is when we leave. So right after breakfast, you can change. You can, if you brought change of clothes for prison, make sure you change right after breakfast and be here by 7.15. Bus leaves at 7.30, so 7.15 in the bus. Before our stop at prison, we arrive at a rest stop. It's another church. These rest stops provide the chance for families to freshen up. They brush their teeth, wash their faces, and settle their stomachs with a humble snack or warm eggs provided by the volunteers. The stop is appropriately short. All things considered, families are eager to get back on the road. You gotta keep moving.
If you're just tuning in, you're listening to Making Contact. Today we're writing with families visiting their incarcerated loved ones, all possible because of the Get on the Bus program. Hey, well, how many are here? Welcome. We're so glad that you're here. So I have this little announcement to make, and I was just given it, so I ask you to be really patient with me. First of all, welcome. And you really are special and so loved. And I want you to remember how important this day is for the people that, the loved ones that you're going to visit. So here's the heads up. Your pockets have to be empty. You have to remove all your piercings, except you can have one, one like what I have, earrings. You can wear one earring. At this point of the journey, it's become clear to me that the carceral state extends well beyond the prison gates. Over the weeks of documenting different families and traveling incredible distances with them, the moment of seeing families gathered and processed for intake by correctional officers very much mimics the experience of the loved ones they're visiting. Exchanges between correctional officers and families are terse. Smiles are rarely exchanged. It's difficult to tell if the silence between the parties normalizes the reality of the situation or just makes it more awkward and I'm tough. $30 per adult. Okay, when you go in, these people are gonna be very caring to you and they're gonna ask to see your paperwork, just make sure you have it with you. And you're gonna go through a metal detector. It's not scary, you're gonna Meanwhile, inmate mothers and fathers wait on the inside in the visitation areas on prison grounds. Get on the bus works with CDCR, to curate an experience that attempts to mitigate the often harsh realities these families face. This means converting areas into warm playgrounds, game rooms. I go ahead of the crowd and onward to the main gathering yard in Folsom. I train my camera on walls of thick concrete reaching upward, the barbed wire that tops it glinting with sunlight. These regularly blank and unforgiving walls are now covered with bright colors, chalk dedications. Mommy loves you, or be good for mommy. There are smiling flowers, huge butterflies, rainbows. Watching parents wait for their kids is exactly how you would imagine kids waiting for their parents. So what is it like to wait for your loved ones? Exciting. Yeah? Yeah. What's the first thing you're gonna do when you see them? Run up and hug them. Get in a circle with them. <laughs> and where are they coming from? Antelope Valley. Okay. It's pretty far. Yeah. How often do you get to see them? This will be the first visit. Uh, after how long? A year. A year. Yeah, that's, that's too long. Yeah. Families slowly trickle in, and the reunions are all that you can expect. Hugs, kisses, smiles, tears. The conversations range, but they're all about updates. Sometimes they're just reiterations of letters sent or conversations over the phone but the recounted stories are enhanced by physical expressions. When I get a chance, I speak with Hezekiah's mother, Kyoko. It's easy to see why Hezekiah is so brave and so warm. Yet Kyoko's tempo, her presence, are a clear contrast to Hezekiah's often contemplative aura. 
We talk about his upbringing and the impact of their separation. This is my first time seeing Hezekiah since September 4th when I got arrested, 2014. So it's almost been two years. That I'm very just aware of my son's feelings. I'm aware of this process and I am, uh, what word am I looking for? I'm just, I try to be, um, I don't know, like tender, you know, I try to be just kind and compassionate. I try to be understanding because it's not just me that's here going through things, even though I'm behind these walls, he's going through things too. I'm not there, he's never been away from me before. You know, um, my grandmother is older, even though she, she cares for him to the best of her ability, but she's older. So, um, yeah. So I don't know, I guess it's just that I've always been there. And I've always um, made it a point to just have a good relationship with him. You know, talk to him, ask him about his feelings. How are you doing? How is your day going? Um, if something bad happened, happened at school, how did that affect you? How can I help? Um, I've always tried my best to put his feelings at the forefront. And I think when I caught my case, I allowed myself to get in a space that was a very bad space. I allowed myself to get angry, and at that point, I put my anger before him. And that's the mistake that I made. And it was a, it was a huge one, and I'm paying for it. So now I know um, that life is gonna happen, things are gonna happen, but I need to think my decisions through because if you don't think it through, you'll end up in a place like this, and he doesn't deserve that. It's not really so much about me anymore, but he doesn't deserve that. He's an awesome kid. So, we have a really, really good bond, and I think it, it can only get better from here, you know? I have mixed feelings about it. On one hand, it's like I know that I'm maturing and stuff, but on the other hand, it feels like I'm going up too fast. And not that I wanna be more immature, it's that I still wanna feel like a kid. I'm not angry at my mom, cause it's like, you can't be like, well, I can't be angry at my mom because she's like, she's done a lot of stuff for me. And it's like, I wouldn't get angry at my mom for something like this. It's like, she made a mistake and I make mistakes and everybody makes mistakes. So it is what it is and just gotta deal with it. I don't really talk about it much. I mean, that, not that I'm uncomfortable talking about it or anything. It's just that I don't try to think about it or talk about it much. And I try to distract my stuff, myself from positive stuff.
want to live with me when I come home? Yeah. Yeah, give me some. Boom. <laughs> Visit duration varies from prison to prison, but the average time these families get to spend together is four hours. Get on the bus coordinators and prison administration do their very best to keep everyone on schedule. But it's always clear that the visits are way too short. And while the visits are short, the ride home is long, and sometimes longer. To ease the transition to separation once more, Get On The Bus provides many of the youth with letters from their parents and a teddy bear. Many get back on the bus exhausted, so they spend a good amount of time catching up with sleep. Others open their letters and read them aloud. December 1st, 2007, I meet, I meet a beautiful, handsome prince that I'll out a lot, but 
that didn't matter to me. I fell in love with him when he came to my life in a different, didn't, oh my God, know what to do with so much that could I could see in your little eyes I would wouldn't I wouldn't change for it for the world till thank you for being my son make mommy proud from the way out of there love mommy Thank you, mommy. Even though you're not here. Not <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, mommy. Even though you're not here. He also gave me his watch, his graduation bracelet, and um, this. Anything that means a lot to him, he gives to me because I'm his only child, so. I'm daddy's little girl. Yeah. The last time I saw him, I could fit in his, um, in his hand. And now, I'm almost taller than him. <laughs> Sorry. Can <laughs> <laughs> I'll help you? You're breathing too much. <laughs> Concentrate. It's so embarrassing. <laughs> okay. Ah, don't look at me, guys. I'm looking. Okay, dear Ayana. Hey, beautiful. If you're reading this letter, you should be on your way home. I just want to say thank you for such a great day. You can't imagine how much I'm, how much it meant to me, and I hope you had a nice time also. I was on my best behavior, smile. Ayana, sweetheart, the best relationship between a father and a, and a daughter is when a father's daughter's father's daughter is his best friend, and you, and you can be yourself and. They, they still love you for who you are. So again, thank you because of all my short, short command comings. You still love me. Anyways, Princess, I pray that that your journey home is a safe one. Please continue to be best, be the best daughter in the world. I am very proud of you, and I love you very much. God bless you. Always do good in school and listen to your mother. Until I hear from you again, always keep your head up and never look down. P.S. Right back soon, okay? Love always, Dad. You speak good. You have very well vocabulary. Thank you. My dear sweet Victoria, I wanted you to know that your Uncle Rock loves you so much and remind, and you remind me so much of your Grandma Gloria. Sweetie, 
I hope you never forget that your uncle is always thinking of you and talking about you every day. You go out there and make your uncle proud and make your dad and mother proud too. As well your teachers and tell your father to send me all your report cards so I can put them, put your good grades on his wall. Thank you. And I can't wait to see you next year. Love always, y'all. Yes, I got it. Okay. Okay, let me stop. Are you ready to read it? Say it. One at a time. Go, you go first. No, because I refactored. You got it already. My letter's not in here. It's right here. Okay. Yes, it's not wet. So. Who's this from? Um, my dad. My uncle. Your dad? Her dad, my, my uncle. Dad. Read it? Yeah, you can start. Do you know how to read Crystal? Yeah. Hello there, my beautiful little black skin niece. I hope everything is okay with you. And all that you love me like I love you. You are my first and only niece who is like my daughter. I can't wait to spend some time with you and take shopping I want you to continue to do good in school and try not to be mean or that bossy okay I'm so excited about seeing you anyways I love I miss you love Uncle JR At the end of the day, it's an incredibly heavy trip. For some families and children, this is the first visit in sometimes decades. And for others, it's one of a handful of times they've already seen their parent. Separation is an incredible demand to put on families, especially children. Hezekiah, who sits much more calmly, much more reserved, reflects on his visit. I wasn't really crying. I wasn't very emotional about it. I tried to like, not to, not to say anything, or like, I tried not to think about it as much, because I knew that would just make me even more emotional than I already am. So, and there was nothing I could do about it. So it's like, you have to accept the fact that you have to leave. And so, yeah. Well, it obviously hurts and stuff, but it's like, it's not hurting me to the fact where, like, I go, like, crazy about her and stuff. Like, I'm kind of used to this stuff because, like, she's been in jail before. And also, my dad left me um, when I was three. And he died when I was nine. So it's like, I'm sort of kind of getting used to the feel of like getting hurt. Like, not like getting used to it, but it's like I'm recognizing that it happens a little bit more sometimes. You have to get used to it. It's like, you don't have a choice, like you have to. I know something good is gonna come out of it, but it's like, I know that I'm gonna become stronger and stuff and wiser and stuff, 
it's like chipping at me a little bit, but it's not like really chipping at me and chipping at me like big chunks. I'm not sure what it's like, but it's like something. It is. It is. <laughs> <laughs> And that's it for this week's Making Contact. A very special thanks to the Omnia Foundation, filmmaker Elizabeth Lowe, the Center for Restorative Justice Works, and the Get on the Bus program, the families, and most importantly, the kids, Ayana, Manny, Hezekiah, all of them. Did you hear anything on today's show that made you think about the prison industrial complex in a different way? Please share your thoughts and forward the show to your friends. Our executive director is Lisa Rudman. Our producers are Marie Che, Anita Johnson, Monica Lopez, and myself. Our audience engagement director is Sabine Blazan. Our development associate is Vera Tykolsker. To download a copy of our show or to subscribe to our podcast, please visit radioproject.org. I'm your host, RJ Lozada, and thank you for listening to Making Contact.